Hola, foodies and adventurers, and welcome back to the Nomming Expeditions podcast. If you're new here, hola! This is a food and travel podcast, and anything to do with those two main topics, we're gonna talk about it. And the best thing about this podcast, aside from my awesome travel tips, is that there are no ads. Do you guys notice that? Have you noticed that when you listen to the previous episodes? Yes, this podcast is ad-free, so I'm not going to be mumbling around about the sponsors or so. I made this just for fun. I'm trying this out for a year. And hey, hope you love it. So before we move on to our usual trivia question, I do ask that if you like the previous episodes and after listening to this episode, if you feel that it's helped you out a lot, please leave a review on whatever podcast app you're listening on. If you do leave a review on Apple Podcasts, that would greatly help me. Apple Podcasts is so far the number one among all the podcast apps. So it would help me a lot, especially if you really like them and you placed a five-star review. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you in advance. Alright, so do not be surprised if you start listening to this episode and you're wondering why I start with travel tip number six. Again, this is part two of my top 10 travel tips. So if you haven't heard the first five, please go to part one. That would be episode three. This is episode four. Let's get on to the trivia. Whoops, here I go again, forgetting to introduce myself. If you're new here, my name is Kerja. I am your host. K-E-R-Z-I-A, that's how you spell it. Thanks so much for tuning in to this podcast. Let's get on to the trivia for real. Yay! Trivia question time! This time we're going all the way to Europe. And the question is, what country is smaller than New York's Central Park? Or if you want to get specific, Manhattan's Central Park. So this country is smaller than Manhattan or New York's Central Park. Let's wait for a bit. Okay, I guess time is up. So this country, and it's also known as a city-state and a micro-state, it borders with France, starts with an M, lots of gamblers, and it's super rich. You got that right, it's Monaco. Monaco, according to Wikipedia, officially the Principality of Monaco, is a sovereign city-state, country, and microstate on the French Riviera in Western Europe. France borders the country on three sides, while the other side borders the Mediterranean Sea. It's a super tiny country. I haven't been there yet, 
but I will someday. I'm not a big gambler, so it doesn't really appeal much to me. I know it's gorgeous with all the yachts and the beautiful houses and buildings. But, you know, I'm not in a hurry to go there. But if you are, now you know. And then you can book that ticket. And then you can go to your get-togethers or parties and show off how much you know about Monaco. And you'll be like, did you know, with your cigar in hand, that Monaco is smaller than Manhattan Central Park. <laughs> and then just watch everyone go, oh, really? And then you can start explaining away and be the coolest kid in your group. All right, you're welcome. Let's get on to episode four. Travel tip number six. Learn key words of the language of the place you're going to. Now, this is quite a no-brainer for most of you who already travel quite a lot. Um, but yes, just knowing how to say thank you, you're welcome, excuse me, please help, I'm lost, those are all important phrases you can use in that particular place you're in. And one more thing is, I know this is a lot to ask for some of you, but if you can, perfect the accent of that language, if you can. Why? Well, from my experience, accurate imitation makes locals giddy. That's exactly what I wrote down in my notes. Um, that was an observation I made when I've probably done this, I don't know, a thousand times. So I would listen closely to locals and copy the exact same, hopefully, well, it sounds like the exact same intonation to other people's ears, and that's what I'd like them to hope as well, and just completely perfect that accent. And they, locals are always so grateful if you know how to speak their language or you know tidbits of their language. But if you have that added bonus of getting the right pronunciation, the correct intonations, um, that's, they, that even gives you more incentive to get what you want, what you're asking for, or people will be extra nice to you and maybe you're buying something from a store people will tend to give you free stuff if you're at a restaurant they will likely even give you free food free drinks just because they can't believe that you look like the way you are or maybe you do look like the locals um, then that would make it um, I guess not as impressive, but still, if they know you're coming from somewhere else and you happen to just get that language and pronunciation right, I guarantee you, you're going to get a really big smile and possibly extra good stuff. All right, wink, wink. Not in a sexual way. <laughs> um, what would be an added bonus to that? already added bonus of perfecting the accent. I would say the culturally ambiguous babies out there, just like me, you're in luck. For us who look like pretty much a jumble of cultures, 
we can get away with so many things. We can go to so many places and just easily blend into that whole culture. When I go to a Latin country, then people just completely speak to me in Spanish. It's a good and bad thing. But hey, if you kind of look like or look exactly like the locals, the less likely you're going to be ripped off. And again, if you already know those key words of the language, then they're really going to think twice about scamming you because they're going to think, oh crap, this one's a local. This one knows our customs, our values, our laws. So make them believe that. Okay, the better you can do that, the more you're going to just stroll through the streets like a local, safe and sound, Hakuna Matata. Travel tip number seven. This goes back to when you were in kindergarten or even younger than that. This was taught to you by your parents, I hope, and it still rings true today that I've included it in my notes. Um, and not, not that I badly need it, but it's a reminder to myself every single time because it's worked every single time. So travel tip number seven is be nice to people and take genuine interest in what they're doing. And by people, I mean everybody, most especially the locals at the destination you're in. So being nice to them, even if some are a little cranky or maybe they're a little bit xenophobic, if you just keep smiling and treat them nicely, you will change their minds. So it's it really is helpful to be nice to them. As for taking genuine interest in what they're doing, an example would be, um, for example, there's a craftsman. Take a good look and really appreciate what they're making. Every artist loves that if you really pay attention. You're not just passing by and was like, huh, that's pretty. And then you moved on to the next thing. Don't do that. Actually look at the items they're making and even ask. For me, I'm genuinely interested in how they make stuff. So I'll be like, oh, so how did you do this? And what tools do you use? What material is this made? What stone is it made from? And the reason why I'm talking about stones and tools, um, one example I have, I was in Belize. So that is um, South, oh, sorry, Central America. Oh, my geography right now. It's Central America. Okay, so Belize, pretty much a little bit part of the Caribbean, if you take a look at their ocean. Um, there was this one guy and I'm so sorry, I really forgot his name. I'm not sure if he actually introduced himself, um, but my friend and I passed by and he had these beautiful stone carvings and it really, really takes you back to the times of uh, the age of the Mayans and the Aztecs, etc. I know people tend to lump this together. Um, but the Aztecs are long extinct guys. The Mayans outlived them. And one proof of that was the man in front of me. So I'll plop the photo in my blog, namexpeditions.travel.blog, if you're new here. Um, so yeah, there was this one dude. He was an amazing artist. And we talked to him. And we took genuine interest in his work. 
And after talking to him for a bit, we found out that he was actually educated for a few years in San Francisco. And then he came back to Belize. He came from a family of artists. His dad did the same thing with stone carvings. He's actually quite unique. Not a lot of people um, do what he does. And if you're looking at my blog right now, you get to see what type of stone carvings he makes. And he actually, at that time, recently won a scholarship to fly to, I believe, Los Angeles. This was a few years ago, so my memory is a little hazy. But yes, he's going back. He's going to be flown back to the U.S. Uh, to learn more about his craft and how to make it better and I just think it's such a beautiful thing to learn about all this from a local who you thought is just there selling at the market just like the others, probably has a family to provide and so on. And eventually you're wondering, wow, he's like his English is so good. And then you feel sorry because you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm underestimating him. Um, but we do tend to do that. That is the truth. And then the more you speak to these people, the more you learn about their background. So this guy, you can tell how well, um, he's quite established and well-spoken he is, especially with his English. Because some of the locals we talked to, it wasn't, English was not, um, it was not as fluid as how this guy talked. And yeah, you can see his cute little photo on Nami Expeditions that travels at blog. And I also plopped down a photo of uh, other works by Belize or Belizean craftsmen and craftswomen. And they are stunning, guys. Just these stunning stone carvings. I wanted to buy one for myself, but I'm quite clumsy. Not very good with things that are fragile. And they weigh a ton. Not literally a ton, but they weigh quite a lot. And you'll see it in the photos. But that's one thing I want you to keep in mind. All right, that is travel tip number seven. Be nice to people and take genuine interest in what you're doing. Like the tip before, this could likely get you free stuff. That should never be your goal, but it does happen. And if not, you get to tell all inspiring stories at your get-togethers at your parties you get to tell people about these awesome locals that you met and have opened your eyes to a whole new world <laughs> all right let's move on Now, as a quick aside, I know I mentioned the word Mayan earlier with an N in the end, and that's because us English speakers are used to saying that. That's also written in English books, Mayan, but that's actually incorrect. So apologies, especially to those who are descended from the Maya. Um, if you go to a website like Belize.com, that's also in the show notes, and I'm adding that into the blog, you'll see um, in this link how it's supposed to be used, okay? So, Mayan, with the N in the end, is actually referring to the language, just the language. 
So if you're talking about the culture, the history, and especially the indigenous people, you're going to have to say Maya without the N. So Maya. And in Spanish, now most uh, Maya descended people, they speak in the Maya, sorry, the Mayan language uh, and Spanish second. And if they say it in Spanish, they actually say nosotros los Maya, which is we the Maya, or los Maya, which is the Maya. Okay? So, and it says here, um, the writer wrote, I have heard los Mayas, but this is usually used by non-Maya when referring to the Maya. So that's one thing to keep in mind, guys. If you're talking about Mayan with the N, that only refers to the language, okay? Maya is the adjectival form preferred when referring to non-linguistic aspects. For example, the Maya of Belize. And that's all found here on the website, which I'll be attaching in the show notes and in the blog. All right, so that's one lesson you can share with others in the future. Travel tip number eight, Uber and Uber-like apps like Lyft, etc. <laughs> I'm going to end there because Uber and Lyft are my top two uh, pickup or slash driving apps that I absolutely love. And if you know all the others or you like to use all the others, that's even better. If you don't know what these are, then where have you been? So if you're new to traveling, you're an aspiring world adventurer, make sure you have um, the Uber and apps like Uber in your phone because this will save you when you arrive at certain places at times where there's no longer any metro or subway or even buses. If you're stranded in the middle of nowhere, this app will save you. One great example was that my hubby and I, we were frolicking around Western Europe and we came back to London, England, which was where I was staying around four or was it even five years ago now. And we got there around 3 a.m. And we we're like, oh crap, how are we going to get home now? And at that time, we have never used Uber, ever. It's, and it was still quite new, the company at that time. Um, so I told him, you know what? There's, I have an Uber app. I have not used it yet. There's a promo code. And by the way, I'll give you the promo codes as well, guys, um, if you're new to it. Um, in my in the show notes and in my blog anyways yeah I told him you know what let's give this a try because there's no way for us to get home and we did um, the uber driver arrived like three minutes later to our location which was sort of in the middle of nowhere and we got home we got home I think close to 4 a.m. but we were safe and sound and I always feel very safe 
with Uber drivers. I really hope nobody out there listening has had an, a horrible experience or they may have gotten assaulted or anything, although there are those horror stories. But so far, so good. I absolutely love these types of apps. I believe they are cheaper and safer than local taxis. There are many countries with amazing taxi services, but for the most part, I really, really believe that it's so much cheaper and more convenient and safer to go with these driving apps because you are with regular people who, whose profiles will show in your app. And one good tip to do if you ever call these types of drivers using the driving apps, take a screenshot of their profiles. Their face will show what the plate number of their cars are and um, other things like the color of the car, the make and model. It has all that. So if you take a screenshot of that and something goes wrong, God forbid, then you can just pull that screenshot out and say, yep, this is the driver and has their name on it. So yeah, that's one thing I would highly suggest you do if ever you use these apps. And again, these apps will save your life if you are stranded. So don't be cheap, download that app, plug in your PayPal or your credit card and make sure you get to your place safely. Travel tip number nine, ask your tour guide, or if you don't have a tour guide, either your Uber driver, your Lyft driver, or any local providing you a service that gets around the city or what, whatever destination it is, if it's just a village or so, that gets around that place every day, all around it, and knows or you have a feeling they know everything. They know all the points um, from food to bars to whatever, okay? So ask your tour guide or Uber driver or any driving app, etc. about his or her favorite restaurant, all right? Favorite restaurant in that destination. Have them give you places. And if it's if you're not a foodie and you want other things, then ask for that too. But as for me and for many of you foodies listening to this, you know that that local knows where the best places are. And sometimes without even asking, tour guides will let you know. But if not, always by the end of the tour... If they haven't said anything yet, once they start saying, okay, if you have any other questions, just come to me. I'll be here for a few more minutes before we all go. That's your chance. Go push aside all the other. I'm kidding. Um, go straight to, to after your, once it's your turn, go straight to your tour guide and ask where his or her favorite place is. And you're going to have a load of places to go to that you would not have ever known had you not asked unless you're a big yelper like me but then again there's some mom and pop places that are off the radar and you might want to go there so ask your tour guide or driver travel tip number 10 
We've made it to the very end, guys. What's travel tip number 10 from Kirsch's personal notes? It's wear your city's logo or your town's logo or wherever you live, your village, <laughs> and have relevant text on your attire or not and or have relevant text on your attire. Um, so, for example... As for moi, I was in Marlborough, New Zealand one time. I believe that was in December 2017 slash January 2018. And I was on top of one of their famous bridges. So this was a bridge. It wasn't too high up. So people can still see you from down below. And I was wearing my Blue Jays shirt. I'm from Toronto, once again. Um, so Blue Jays, our baseball team, I was wearing that shirt. And I didn't think this would happen. But it's so interesting. As I was walking around the bridge, taking selfies and photos with my uh, companion at that time, my travel buddy at that time, Helen, somebody from afar just shouted, Woohoo, Toronto! And oh my goodness, did that put a smile on my face. So I was like, hey, woohoo. Um, and I didn't even get to see who that person was, did I? Um, I don't remember what that person looked like, but he was from down below. And I think it's just such a beautiful thing to just wear a shirt and then that already you know, creates a connection with others, with strangers. So it does help a lot to wear something. I mean, it doesn't have to be your city's logo. It can be anything you like. But I think it's very cute to have your city's logo on your shirt. Um, I made sure to start doing this every single time I travel. Um, when I was in Okinawa just a few weeks ago, Okinawa, Japan, that island in Japan, off from the mainland, I was wearing my Toronto Raptor shirt. So I'll plug that in my blog so that you can see what that looks like and you'll get to see a little bit of Okinawa behind me. All right, so that is my last tip. So as you may have probably observed, guys, the main theme of part two of my top 10 travel tips has to do with the human connection. It is very important and it's just simply beautiful to connect with strangers when you're traveling. For the most part, that is the reason why your experience in another destination uh, sticks close to your heart and stays with you forever. Oh man, I'm getting so sentimental here. But yeah, it is true. It is the human connection. Um, the learning of other cultures and what makes up a culture. Who, who makes these things, right? Human beings. And just us connecting with other people, seeing the similarities, even if they live so geographically far away from us. It's just, ugh, that's what makes my heart chub up and melt. <laughs> and I hope that's the reason too why you love traveling so much. Of course, with traveling, we get to see such beautiful natural landscapes and gorgeous buildings, um, 
even from the time of colonization, which was not necessarily a good thing, but a lot of beauty came from that too. But once again, it all comes back to this beautiful human connection. So I hope you learned a lot from my top 10 travel tips. This was part two. And if you listen to part one, that completes all 10. And I just wish you a great day. And I'll see you on my next podcast episode. Thanks for listening. This was Kersha, Naming Expeditions Podcast. I'm out.